Amen, amen. The Lord does want to speak to us tonight. <laughs> so, um, Brother Rowan preached, and you're probably going to hear this from a lot of us because a lot of us are in this Disciple Makers course, but he preached a series a few months back on discipleship and uh, asked if we wanted to be a part of a small group called Disciple Makers. And we've been learning what it means to be a disciple and to make other disciples, to be a disciple maker. And it's God-ordained and God-led, and we're all excited about what God is doing through us as individuals, um, but also how it will impact our church and beyond these walls. And for me, I know it's perfect timing. God is stirring me and challenging me. But one thing that has frustrated me, partly because of my personality, is not knowing all the steps. Um, the, the whole idea of being a disciple maker, there's not really one, you know, 10-step plan to make a disciple. It's different for each person that you meet. And so not knowing has been stressing me out. And I know that timing can be a big part of whether someone's ready to receive from the Lord. So I'm like, is it time? Do I say something now? Do I leave it? Do I just invite them out for coffee? Do I invite them to church? Do I do a Bible study? I just don't know. And I'm constantly thinking, should I speak to this person? Should I uh, invite someone? Or when should I text this person? Or is that person you want me to disciple right now? Or is it someone else? Because there's like a million people I know that need you. And so my choleric nature, as you can see, (laughs) can be very exhausting. Uh, I'm driven. I'm impatient. And I have to know the answers. What's the plan? And that means I get frazzled and I get anxious because I don't have the answers. And this is sometimes what we do. And as I've been walking, working through this and, and getting frustrated at myself, God has been faithful and has reached out to me in the past few weeks and given me a verse that has sustained me. Uh, if we turn to Psalm chapter 37, Psalm 37. Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. The steps of a good man, or in my case, woman, are ordered. They're ordered by God. They're established. They're planned by him. I don't have to worry about the next step after this step because God has ordered it. The little steps and the big steps the day-to-day steps, and the steps that will happen in years to come. And I love the second part of this verse. I always used to think it means that I delight in God's way. But in actual, and that does make sense to a certain uh, extent, but it's actually talking about how the Lord delights in my way. The New Living Translation version says this, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. The Amplified Version says that he, God, busies himself with my every step. The sovereign creator of the universe delights in the details of my life, the big and the small. And he isn't just haphazardly arranging things so that I'm kind of running from pillar to post, but there is a plan and he delights, he delights in setting out those steps and the details of of our lives. And so tonight I want to speak on this simple thought one step at a time. 
So Psalm 37 was written by David. And it seems that this psalm, when he wrote it, he was quite old. Or he was an older man. Because verse 25 of the same psalm says, I have been young and now I am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. The rest of the psalm speaks a lot about not being worried. Just like the Lord said to us tonight. Don't be worried about what the wicked are plotting or what they're trying to do. And David had a lot of enemies. He went through some pretty rough times. But even he could say that through the midst of those moments, his steps were ordered by God. God knew exactly what steps he was asking David to take. You think about running from Saul. Saul was trying to kill him. His next step for quite a while was just survive. Just don't get killed. Just stay alive. Just move far enough away from Saul that I don't die. And he didn't know if he'd ever get out. I mean, God told him through Samuel that he was going to be king. He was going to be king. But right now, it doesn't seem very feasible. It seems quite impossible. But it was just one step at a time. Right then, okay, God said that. But right now, I just need to stay alive. If, if God wants to fulfill that in my life right now, I've just got to stay alive. That's the step. And as David came nearer to the end of his life, he could say the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Even what we might call the bad steps. Now you all know that I love to get out in the bush and go for a hike. And many of you, many of you including Vanessa, have had the blessing of experiencing a hike with Emma. Some of you would class it as a blessing, some may not, most of you not. Um, now, my favorite type of hike is one that I haven't been on before. Sometimes when we're, uh, we have a Saturday afternoon free, I'll grab my parents, force them to come with me, and we'll go on a path that we've known before, but there'll be a small path veering off. There'll be these other tracks. I'm like, oh, mom, look at all these tracks. We can just adventure and explore. And so uh, sometimes if we've got the time and we're feeling energetic, we'll say, oh, should we go? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. And so off we go. And so mostly not on my part, but I think my parents, often there's this air of nervousness. How far is this track? Where does it go? When does it finish? Will there be snakes? But for me, I think sometimes my parents as well. They don't hate it that much, okay? But there is excitement because what might we find? And there are times where we've come around the corner of a track we've never been on and there's a, a stunning view of the hills over Perth or there's a beautiful wildflower that we haven't seen in a long time or there's a, a, a little waterfall and an oasis of, of water. Sometimes there's nothing. It's just disappointment and then we have to drag ourselves back up the big hills that we just came down. But more often than not, we find something worth the apprehension of the unknown. And this is our walk with God sometimes. There's a path. It's not one we've been on before. And we have no idea where it's going half the time. We've, we've got a, a glimpse of the future. We know we're going to heaven, but that's a long way off. Well, it can be tomorrow. But right now, it feels a long way off. We can't see around the corner. And yet Jesus says, just take a step. And how often when we allow God to order our steps, do we get to experience something that we've never experienced before. I can testify, I could share memory after memory of incredible moments in my life because one day a path was presented to me. 
And instead of getting anxious or worried about where it may go or whether I'd get lost, I just started walking because I knew my steps were ordered by the Lord. So I want to give you a quick lesson on the use of italics in the Bible. We are going somewhere with this part, okay? Now, you may notice words in your King James Bible that have italics. So some of the words, they're slanted, you know, in italic uh, form. These are words that were added by the translators. And they were usually necessary when translating a document from one language to another. It didn't change the essence of the verse. But sometimes a word or expression in one language may not have a corresponding word in the language you're translating to. And these words were added to produce a more readable translation and to help the reader better understand the intent of the passage translated from the original language. (coughs) You'll notice the word good in our verse of scripture is in italics. So the original might read more like this. The steps of a man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. So does this mean that I can live however I want and expect God to order my steps? Did they just, you know, add it in there just for the sake of it? Let's look at the preceding verses. It speaks of the wicked and how they are not blessed. Do we think that the Lord delights in the steps of the wicked? Of course not. He doesn't, he doesn't, order, he doesn't want to delight in evil or iniquity or sin. The, first, the verse before speaks of how the righteous shall be blessed. And a few verses later, it speaks of the righteous inheriting the land and how he forsakes not his saints. So although the word good here is uh, in italics and it wasn't in the original, there can really be no doubt that it is a good man that it is particularly referencing here. So what does it mean to be good? If, if this is the prerequisite to having my steps ordered by God, that I want to be and do what is required. To be good as defined by the dictionary is to be of praiseworthy character, morally excellent or righteous. To be good or righteous is to do what is right, to do what is right. But now I'm reminded of a verse of scripture, in Romans 7 at 19, it says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. This tells me that in my flesh, good is not found. My flesh wants to do exactly what it wants to do, when it wants to do it, how it wants to do it, and none of it is good. So if I want my steps to be ordered by God, and the requirement is that I am a good person or a godly person, but the Bible tells me that there is no good to be found in me, how do I do it? It seems impossible. In Romans seven twenty four, a few verses down, it says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? from the body of this death. Paul's like, okay, how on earth do I do this? How do I do what is right and be good when I don't have the power, when it's not in me to do good? (laughs) But then Paul kind of responds to his own question. In verse 25, it says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Thank God that he... Jesus Christ is the one that can deliver me from this body of flesh. Amen. How? We flick over to the next chapter, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 5. It says, There is 
Therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk, there's those steps, not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, not my righteousness, but God's, who walk or step not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So I can be good. How? When I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I now have the opportunity to walk in the spirit and not in my flesh. I can now choose whether I will do what is right or do what my flesh desires. Not my power, as the Lord told us tonight. It's not in my power. It's God's spirit in me. His spirit gives me the power. However, there is a difference between being filled with the spirit and walking in the spirit. Pastor talked a little bit about this this morning. We can talk in tongues all day long and still not walk in the spirit. And there are many people in the Bible who were religious, but when it came to stepping where God had called them, they stopped. God walked with the Israelites as a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud in the Old Testament. He was as real as he could get at that time and as close as he could be to them. And yet when it came to taking the next step to go to the promised land and possess it, they walked after their flesh. Numbers 13 verse 31 to 33 says, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. They saw with their physical eyes, not their spiritual eyes. All they had right then and there was a word from God, go and possess the land. They didn't know how it would play out, really. I mean, if you look at all of that, it doesn't sound like it's going to be great, but God said, go and possess it. I've promised that land to you, go and possess. That was their step. That was their next step. But instead of trusting that God was ordering their steps into the promised land, they spent 40 years walking in circles, as it were, in the wilderness. Their lack of trust in God's steps for them meant they missed out on the will of God for them. Now, I'd like to say that it changed them and they learned their lesson. But instead, when you read the historical account of the Israelite people, you will read over and over And over again, this common phrase, they walked not in the ways of the Lord. They did not allow God to order their steps. They behaved ungodly and allowed their flesh to rule. Too often, we allow our flesh to rule, to order our steps. And so when the Lord says, go here, speak to this person, reach out here, do this, give up that, don't go there. We either don't even hear what he's saying Or we're too afraid, we're too untrusting, we're too doubtful, which are all works of the flesh. 
If we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. This means that we can be the good man or the godly man in Psalm 37. If we walk in the spirit, we will be able to recognize whether the step in front of us is from God or not. And if it is from God, he will give us the power to take the step. Now, I've been... I feel like it's all over the world. There's lots of places I haven't visited. But I've been on a lot of trips and I've traveled many places. And for the majority of my trips, I've planned them myself and led whoever's with me. Um, And so recently in July, a few of us had the privilege of traveling to Africa. And it was a a great experience, experience. And so much of the trip was wonderful. But one aspect that I really did enjoy, and it's probably a little bit shallow is that all I had to do was follow the pastor. That was it. Um, He's a great planner, and many of us have enjoyed that about our pastor. I think even Sister Sheila said it in her poem this morning. He booked my flights, he organized my schedule, he told me what I had to do, and when I rocked up at the airport, I honestly felt like I was missing something. I was like, there must be something I haven't done. This is just too easy. He'd even printed my boarding passes for me, and then put that annoying tag on my suitcase that I normally get tangled up. I knew I was safe. I knew that as long as he was with me, I was going to be okay. And the whole time, I just looked for him. You know, the service would come to an end, and I'm like, where's pastor? You know, in the airport, where's pastor? At the hotel lobby, where's pastor? It was just, where is he? Because he knows where we're going. I just had to keep following him. He didn't even have to say, follow me. We just did. Maybe that was fear. I don't know. (laughs) But it reminds me of a scripture. Matthew 4, verse 18 to 20. It says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers or fishermen. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. You know, when you book a trip with a travel agent, as you get nearer to the end of the organizing and closer to the trip, they normally give you like a, well, these days they'll email it to you, but back in my day when I first started traveling, they'd give me this document wallet full of my important papers. So it'd be my flight confirmation, hotel bookings, information about the places I was going or the tours I was going on. When Jesus called the disciples to follow him, he did not provide a document wallet. (laughs) There was no, these are the 10 things you can do in this city, or here's the booking confirmation of the hotel you're going to be staying in tonight. It was nothing like that. Just follow me. And a tiny glimpse of what that meant. You'll fish men. Just today, though, just come here. Walk with me. Follow me. He didn't say to Peter when he called him, you're going to walk on water or you're going to be persecuted or you'll preach to thousands. None of that. Because right then, at that moment, it didn't matter that Peter didn't know. When the time came for all of those experiences to happen, God would order those steps. But for now, the step step that was being ordered right then and there was just follow me. And without any real understanding of what that actually meant, 
Peter and Andrew literally just dropped their nets and walked away from their boat and followed Jesus. And from that moment on, God was ordering their steps. And each time the next step was made available to them, they stepped. They moved one step at a time. As long as Jesus was walking with them, they knew they would be okay. Now we know from the Bible that Peter's story wasn't perfect. I don't believe our opening text and this idea of being a a good man or godly means that you are to be perfect and without weakness. In this life, we will, as Paul said in Romans, have to intentionally fight the flesh in our lives. We won't be perfect until we get to heaven. And sometimes we may make a wrong step. We may choose a different step than the one that God has ordered. But the verse straight after the one about God ordering our steps says in verse 24, Psalm 37, 24 says, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. The word fall here is similar to the word to stumble. Now when I go hiking, there are times where I don't see a rock or I don't focus on, uh, on an uneven surface, and so I might stumble, I might graze a knee, strain a muscle. But what I love about this verse when I think of that is that it says that this man, this good man that makes some mistakes, his steps are ordered of the Lord, and even when he may stumble, God will be there to catch him. Now, I think to when I stumble when I'm hiking, my dad can only stop me from falling if he's close by. If he isn't there, then I may utterly cast, be cast down and hurt myself worse. But because I hike with my dad and he's often very close by, he's ready to reach out and grab my hand and stop me from falling. So with that in mind, what this verse tells me is that Jesus is right there the whole time you're stepping. Just as the preceding verse tells us, he cares about every step that we make. And even when you make a wrong step or you stumble, he is there to catch you if you want. So be encouraged. God is walking with you. We may not have Jesus in the flesh anymore, but when you are filled with his spirit, he walks with you every day, everywhere that you go. The creator of the universe is in our hearts. He's walking with us. And even when you stumble, and it is when, it's not, it's, it, it's not a if, it's when. It's when you stumble and trip up. He is there to hold your hand and help you back up. One of the analogies that uh, we've been using as we discuss things in our Disciple Makers class is this idea of the difference between a travel agent and a tour guide. And as I said before, the, the travel agent, they book everything for you, they give you your document wallet and go, good luck. But a tour guide goes with you. He's with you the whole way. He's taking you to the best places to see. The tour guide knows where they are going, just like pastor. We just had to follow pastor. And uh, I went on a bus tour many years ago in the USA. The tour guide had a yellow flag and he would just raise it up so that we could all see it because it was a big group. And I just knew, don't lose sight of the yellow flag. I just got to keep eye on the yellow flag. He didn't just know where to go. He knew where not to go. And I, we were talking about this in Disciple Makers, but it's this analogy of whitewater rafting. It's dangerous. 
It's crazy. I say I'd do it, but I don't think I would. It's quick. You've got to be quick. It's like things are changing very quickly in that little blow-up boat. You've got to know which way to move the boat or which, way to, which side to put your oars on and which way to turn them. You've got to know the danger ahead. Well, the tour guide is right there with you as you experience white water rafting. A tour guide doesn't say, good luck, and then push you off into the river and stand on the shore and wave from safety. And so when we walk through tough times and it feels like the steps that we've taken have just brought us into a valley, be reminded he is really close. Jesus is the tour guide. Psalm 23 verse 1 to 4 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. How can he make you lie down if he's not there with you? He's not far away. He leads me beside the still waters. Well, if he's leading me, and I know I'm going to go on near still waters, he must be just there. He can't be somewhere where I don't see him. That's not leading. He's close by. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Even if the steps lead me into the valley of the shadow of death, he will be there. He ordered the steps. And then when we get there, he even prepares a table. Wherever he is leading you, his provision goes with you. You may look at what you have and think, there is no way that this is going to work out. It isn't enough to get me where I need to go, but that's okay. Because if he told you to step there, then he's also preparing the table for you in that moment. You don't have to prepare it for yourself. Just as the Lord said to us tonight, it is not in our strength to do these things. It is in him. It's like the vision of our new church building. A few years back, pastor told us that it was time to take a step. Let's launch a, a building program. We're going to do this. The next step was us. We had to give what we can and we can still do that. But then God prepares the table or in this case, a building, because ultimately we can only do so much. We don't have all the money in the world. I don't know that there's any millionaires that are in this church right now. I mean, we can pray for them to come. <laughs> but ultimately, it's going to be God, God's strength, God's provision that does the work. We do what the next step is showing and then leave it at that. Verse 25 of Psalm 37 said, I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. David could look back on his life and the lives of the people of God and confidently announce, I've never seen the righteous without. If we keep walking in his righteousness, walking by his spirit, he will provide for every step. Amen? <coughs> Just yesterday we went for a hike in the bush. Probably shouldn't. I haven't been well, but, you know. It was hard too, probably shouldn't have gone on that one but anyways we did and it's good because it gave me an analogy for my preaching it was God he ordered those steps <laughs> now there were lots of steps there were easy steps where we didn't have to focus much and I like those steps because we can kind of look up and enjoy the view 
Look at the birds, the flowers. There were times when there were lots of hunky nuts on the ground, which required some care because you might just sprain an ankle and be utterly cast down. There were steps that were quite big, so they required a real use of muscle to either get down or get up. And then there were steps that when you got to them, you kind of had to go, hmm, how am I going to navigate this? You had to pause a moment before you took the step. Each step was different. Some I liked and some I didn't. Ask my dad, he didn't like most of them. But each step had to be taken once we started on that journey. Each step had to be taken one after the other, one step at a time. And at one point, I tried to run up one set of stairs to see if it was the end because I just wanted to get it finished. But instead, I completely gassed myself out and I had to have a longer break than I would have normally. So it did me absolutely no good because we actually weren't at the top anyway. And that's what we do as Christians. We try to rush ahead and get to the end, but God doesn't work that way. We have to stay with the tour guide. He knows what details to share with us and when to share them. And the hike we did yesterday was one of three you could choose from. Um, And each of them had a map. So we made our choice. We looked at the map at the beginning and we're like, okay, let's head off. There are a couple of times though where I wanted to see where I was up to, mostly because I wanted it to be over. (laughs) Um, But there were other times where we were like, okay, are we on the right track? Just want to check. So I checked the map. I could see the steps in front, but sometimes there were trails that were going off but to the side And so I wanted to make sure that I stayed on the right path. And so I checked the map. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is God's word that keeps us on the right path. The scripture is full of verses that speak of how it was the word of God that prevented someone's steps from slipping or falling. Verse 133 of the same psalm says, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. We want to make sure we're on the right path. We want to be good and not allow the flesh to have its way in our lives. Then we must use the word of God, the map that guides us on this journey called life. When we start to feel a little off track or we feel like we're not sure of the next step to take, got to go back to the word as the lamp to our feet we must use it to illuminate the path ahead if i could have a musician please having a map or a designated track and being able to see the next step meant that the hike i went on was quite enjoyable it was hard but it was enjoyable and i got to enjoy looking around at the beautiful flowers and scenery and i wasn't actually anxious about getting lost or anything really i didn't have to lead at all because i just trusted the path and the map to take me to where I needed to go. And when we allow God to order our steps, when we truly start to understand and trust that he is planning each of those steps, a weight is lifted. The pressure is off. I can, oh, I can breathe. So now when I leave my house every morning, I'm not worried about who I might meet or where I need to go or who I should speak to because God's ordering them. And if I'm walking in the spirit, if I'm surrendered to God and I'm walking in his ways and I have his word with me, then I can breathe. I can just go, okay, well, whatever comes up next, I'll walk in the spirit. I'll know if it's from God and I'll do it. 
Jeremiah 10, 23 says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his steps. We cannot direct our own steps. Many of us have tried. And where has it got us? Into trouble. We've gotten lost. We've gotten off track. We haven't gone where we needed to go. But the moment that we truly accept that it is not in our ability or strength to plan our own way or to direct our own steps is when we can finally release the reins from our hands. We can fret all day. It won't change a thing. We can try to plan and figure it out, but ultimately, we don't know the whole plan. We've only got the next step. So if we will just take one step at a time, as God orders, then we will make it to wherever He is taking us. Amen. Let's stand tonight.